Hey guys, welcome to this week's Money in Investing show. This week in our foundation series, we are looking at the topic of budgeting. A lot of people get turned off by the notion of having a budget to stick with, but as we unpack this very, very important financial strategy, it's gonna show you exactly why you need to budget, and more importantly, give you some practical tools to help you get underway. Plenty of things to take out of this. As always, don't just take plenty of notes, make sure you take plenty of action. Hey guys, welcome to this week's Money and Investing Show with me, your host, Andrew Baxter, and as always, my offsider and co-host, Mitchell Renshaw. Thank you for having me on the show, Mr. Baxter. We've got a great episode locked in for one of our foundation series here today. As two personal finance whizzes, enthusiasts, we're going to talk about budgeting, everyone's favorite topic, including ours. Love it. One of the most important planks on the deck of any kind of financial success is budgeting, yet it comes with such a, I guess, negative connotation by so many people. They feel it's a stick that beats them. And instead, think of budgeting this way. It's a step that you take today to ensure that all the things in life that excite you become possible. That's right. Even younger people would think, oh, budgeting, I don't want to know about that. Why would I bother? In actual fact, budgeting is really, really fun because the more you budget, the more you are likely to be able to achieve and get what you want. But the notion of delayed gratification, the tough and the challenging part here. So let's dive into that. Look, yes, delayed gratification, not getting what you want in this moment. And I think to sort of being a father and, and, and you look at how your kids are, that instant gratification of being fed by mum um, you know, is a, a skill that we learn very, very early on as we come out of the womb. Um, and as we get older, learning how to delay that becomes increasingly important from a self-discipline perspective. And again, you know, the ES budgeting does require a level of self-discipline, but it, it's such an important thing to build in because it means literally anything you want in your future can become possible if you're prepared to make the short-term sacrifice right now. And there's a lot of research done on this too. Did we get the can around on an experiment you mentioned to me a while ago? Mm. Was it the the the, oh, the Stanford experiment? Is that Indeed. right? 1972, the Marshmallow Experiment. I remember uh, reading this uh, during my degree. I did a part of psychology as part of my degree. And, and yeah, the, the delayed gratification experiment uh, at Stanford University. So they had a group of uh, kids and they gave them an option of you can have a reward right now or I'm going to leave the room and come back in 15 minutes. And if you don't touch the reward that you can have now, uh, and, and leave it till I come back in the room, you can actually have two rewards. And it was like a marshmallow or a pretzel stick or something commensurate with that that was down to the, to the child's uh, personal tastes. And it's a really, really interesting experiment insofar as the follow-up data. It's never, when you do an experiment, it's never what happens in the moment. It's always the long-term survey uh, on the back of it, which carries the weight, I suppose. And it's reported that on the back of that, the group that chose the delayed gratification, rather than having a marshmallow right now, I'll wait 15 minutes and then I can have two. The group that were in that second category that uh, were happy to have that gratification delayed had significantly higher SAT scores, lower body mass index, stronger financial future, uh, and, and financial success uh, were generally happier in life and more successful. It was an overwhelming That's crazy. outcome from that. And it just shows the power of that delayed gratification and what it can do for you. But it's, it's, it's very, very hard to convey in a world where we have immediate gratification. And, and you know. Everything's so accessible. And I think the, the, the challenge is, AB, is that most people think it's them versus their money. But in reality, it's you versus you. So can we dive into some practical tips as such when it comes to the delay gratification? Look, I think, you know, the, the acid test is, do you need it or do you want it? So for example, if you're, you know, if you're talking about a car, for example, which is one of my weaknesses as I've gotten older, um, you know, the delayed gratification there is to, if you need a car 
buy a car that's the cheapest car your ego will allow you to drive. Oh, I love that. Uh, so and, true. And think of the money that you're saving. If I go back to my time in London, uh, I didn't have a car for most of the time I was in London because it was more of a pain than, than a benefit in all fairness in a city like that. And it was a delayed gratification of a fleet of cars now. And they're all cars I enjoy driving. So, you know, you can delay things and, and, and get more of what you want later if you're prepared to have that shorter term sacrifice. Maybe not the best example, but once again, it's just that conditioned behavior over the long term. If you're prepared to ask yourself the question, I've got a choice. Do I spend the money that's in my hand or on my credit card right now on something that I possibly want but don't need? You've got to ask yourself the question of why do you want it? And I'll come back to you with a really profound quote later on on that Mm. to really sum up the issue that we have when it comes to spending. Because for a lot of people, spending money now is, is, is filling a void in their life, but we'll cover that later. So peeling this back, AB, to basics, spending less than you earn. And we've spoken about this a myriad of different episodes. That's in actual fact harder than, than how it sounds because with everything so accessible today and with the pressures of social media and friendship groups and that kind of thing, very easy for particularly the younger generation to fall into that camp of spending everything that they earn and then not really worrying about the future later. Mm. In reality, the whole notion of budgeting is that you budget to save, you save to invest, and then when you invest, you create wealth in order to give yourself a better life. Talk to us a little bit more about how that that process actually looks and how to stay on the right side of the camp. It, look, I think there are two camps when it comes to budgeting. And as you say, typically, and I mean, there's an age bias comment, um, there is an enormous amount of social pressure on younger people, as you've, as you've articulated. At the other end of the equation, you've also got people that are genuinely struggling to end, make ends meet as well. Uh, and budgeting is just an important issue there. And it's not about the reason they're struggling is because of crazy, you know, willful discretionary spending. It's just the fact that the cost of living in our country has gone through the roof. And you know, budgeting has become increasingly important for people, even when they've been um, you know, they're fairly prudent with what they do, just trying to keep up with significantly higher mortgage payments, significantly higher grocery bills or energy prices and so on and so forth. So there's a real pain point there as well. And the fixes for it, the actual tools we use are very similar, but the psychological approach to it are quite different. So if you're someone that's on the discretionary spending bandwagon, the question you've got to ask yourself is, why am I spending this? What is it doing for me? If you're someone that's struggling to make ends meet and it's just a question that there's more month for money, Either way, good stringent budgeting when it's laid out in the right way is going to get you to where you want to be. It's just the the nature of the problem that you're facing is very different in the way that it's caused. So that's something I think that's really important to acknowledge. And there are a lot of people out there right now, genuinely through no fault of their own, are really, really struggling and budgeting, and they may well budget already, is, is, is the crux of being able to survive this tough time. So getting into the actual thick of budgeting, mm. AB, and this is probably going to scare a lot of people because it's likely that they don't do it, comes down to record keeping, so actually keeping track of what you spent. How would you suggest someone go about doing that? Look, I mean, the ultimate goal is to spend less than you earn. Simple as that. And that surplus cash flow that's there is going to then be able to propel you into reducing your debt, getting into the world of investing. So as a foundation module, as you've, as you've mentioned, this is crucial. So record keeping, understanding, number one, what comes in the door. And it's so easy to be misled by that. You know, you might think, oh, I earn 70, 80 grand a year. 
but what is that after tax, for example, uh, which is very important. If you've gone through a separation, what is that after you've paid child support, for example, because the figure that spits out at the end of that calculation is actually the budget you then got to work with. So it's very, very important to take the headline income and then deduct out of it, obviously tax, but also uh, if there are any other expenses, particularly in, the, in terms of perhaps if your income is being garnered through, you know, as I say, child support's a good example of that, um, that's leaving you with then a figure that comes in the door. That is what you've then got to work out. How can you cut that cake into the number of slices that are needed to not only survive, but have a quality of life that makes you happy? So in terms of your expenses, we talk about grouping. So yeah. what, what kind of groups would you, would you suggest yeah. using? There's a couple of ways of doing this, and, and I've done this using different types of descriptions. You can have fixed expenses. Uh, so for example, that might be your mortgage. Uh, or rent. Groceries. Uh, groceries. Uh, then you've got variable expenses that are on essentials. So you've got fixed and then essential. And then the third category of expenses, I would say, are then discretionary. So you've got your fixed costs, might be a car lease, might be a mortgage or rent. Um, if, you, if you're paying a credit card bill off, for example, then there's the essentials. So that's going to be your food, uh, energy, mobile phone plan, things of that nature. And then the discretionary on the other end of it, which is then how you carve up the rest. And um, they're three very, very broad categories. And whilst they're quite helpful, I don't know that they're sufficient to really help you get the outcome. So instead, um, what I'd probably suggest people do is to really categorize their spending much more vigorously and robustly than that. And one of the easy ways to do this, and I'm not an advocate for building up credit card debt under any circumstance, but if you have a credit card or, or a debit card, use that card for every transaction for the month so you can see exactly where you're spending your money. It's quite easy when you've got a bit of cash in your pocket uh, to lose track of exactly what you do spend things on. You know, again, if I go back to my time in London, I think about you know, wandering down to the tube, maybe grab a takeaway coffee and probably the Times to have a read on the train. And, 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 and okay, that there's a dollar cost there, there's a dollar cost there, and you can easily, I'll just forget about that because you don't see that as being an expense because it's a habit. But by converting it onto something where you can accurately keep a record through a debit card or a credit card, then at the end of the month, chapter and verse, you can see absolutely everything that you spent on. And that's a really, really important um, aspect to this. You've got to have really, really clear figures to work with to make this particular exercise work. Just to add to that too, I know a lot of banking apps, speaking personally, I use ANZ every month or every couple of months, they send me a, a spending report and it literally breaks it down for me where everything was spent for that month. Mm. Really useful tool because it pretty much does does everything for you. Well, knowing how tight you are, it wouldn't be a very big report. There's not much on there at all. <laughs> Savings, 100%. Yeah. yeah, that's it, basically. Keep it that way too, well done. Thank you. Um, the, um, the, uh, so the next side, having looked at where the income is, and that's a terrific tool because it's done a lot of the legwork for you and also, I think when it's published in that kind of format, it removes some of the subjectivity and blurring of the lines because do you see your coffee in the morning as a habit and essential or do you see it as a discretionary spend, for example? Burley Pavilion cocktails, yep. necessary, uh, I think. And, and so the list goes on. Okay, so having, having worked out you know, what the income is and po possibly using a card to categorize your spending, what I'd break things down to uh, in terms of big headline uh, highlights would be like home, house, and utilities. So that might be mortgage, uh, uh, and then the utility bills or body corporate fees that are around your property, land tax, all that sort of stuff. Uh, so they're largely in what would be the traditional camp fixed, um, but you can categorize them. And this categorization, whilst it's, it is a little bit anal, I think it's extremely important because the more focus you can put on this, the easier it's going to be later on to be able to go through and, and look at where you can prune to grow.
you know, as you know, I live on my farm and, you know, the notion of pruning to grow is a really peculiar concept to many people. But if you want your fruit trees to yield, the best thing you do is be really harsh and cut them back and they grow more. Uh, it's, it's just the, the way of nature. And I think money can be much the same. So the first group, um, you know, house, home, utilities. Um, the, the, the second area around there, we can start to dive into um, uh, things like, for example, um, your groceries and food, uh, eating in versus eating out. Uh, versus delivery of food, which is obviously a fairly new uh, concept with things like Uber Eats and so on and so forth. What what does that spending look like every week? And it can be quite surprising how that ramps up. Uh, if you look at health and beauty, so haircuts, makeup, um, beautician, massage, all of those sorts of things, gym membership, um, are another subcategory of what you can put things into. Going out, movies, going out for dinner or lunch, uh, going out for drinks. Uh, going to the football, whatever it may be that you do with your time. And the idea of a budget isn't to penalise you for doing anything. This is your journey and it's designed in its very essence to help you be happier in your journey by getting you where you want to be. Again, the more direct and specific. And look, I could go through all the categories, but you know what would be useful? If people want access to that, we've got a ton of online resources and spreadsheets that can that can help people categorize it. So don't worry about noting this down. Have a listen. All we do is go through and categorize these very, very carefully. Big one on there is financing costs. So credit card repayment, buy now, pay later, credit card debt, debt servicing is a huge one. And that's a focus area that's extremely important as we move through from foundations to transitioning into um, getting your wealth game plan really under control. And so we do want to isolate how much do you have to pay back your buy now, pay later each week for the easy components for you to pay or what's your credit card debt or minimum balance you've got to pay. Having all those figures brought out is, is very, very important uh, because they're areas we're definitely going to focus on on later on. So the idea is you can articulate then, here's the money that comes in the door on a net basis and here's exactly how it goes back out again. So question to you, AB, the notion of colour, having fun with mm. your budget, is it okay or is it not? 100% it's okay. And again, a lot of people... Um, would generally look at budgeting if they see it through the lenses of being a, a stick to punish you with. We'll think, oh, this doesn't sound much fun. There's no room for any colour, but there is, and you can add it into your discretionary spend. So if you want to go to the trots on the weekend and that's your thing and you want a couple hundred bucks or you want to go to the casino and have a couple hundred bucks on the table, budget it in your plan, and that's okay. If that's what gives you happiness and that's what you enjoy doing, this isn't a moral crusade where we say you shouldn't do that. It's a matter for you whether you want to do it or not. If it gives you joy, keep doing it, but make sure it's allocated in the budget. Where it becomes a problem is when it's not allocated and there's what we call leakage, where the money coming in is leaking out and you can't see where it's going. That's a real problem. So it's no problem going out and having fun doing things that you may describe as colour. Uh, and that could cover a myriad of different things. Your journey, your choice, what you spend your dough on, but know where it goes so that you can then prioritise whether the return on that is what you want. So nothing unexpected is what you're saying. Make sure everything's noted down. As much as is humanly possible. Got you. Do, we have, do you have any sort of, I guess, practical tips as such for, for our listeners out there, AB, if we could sort of carve this out, maybe three or four practical tips to actually get this kind of thing underway? Hmm. Look, I think, you know, sitting it down with that budgeting spreadsheet is, is crucial because the numbers don't lie. Um, and again, when you do this, the more open and honest you can be 
when you do it, the better the outcome is that you're going to get from it. So don't sort of, I'll oh, just keep that sneaky 50 or 100 or whatever it is out of there in case I want some pin money. Um, you know, if you, if, you, if you need a couple hundred bucks in your pocket as pocket money, put it in the budget. It's okay. And then if you don't spend all that, well, that's a less you've got to put in next week, which means you're ahead of the game. It, it's not a problem. It's just that the idea of having this is, is rather like running a business. You know, you have the various you know, reports that you have for running a business, whether it's a cash flow report, statement of profit and loss, uh, or whether it's your balance sheet, and all of them reveal you know, particularly important information. Cash flow is the key. Cash flow is like oxygen without it, you're dead. So you've got to know exactly where that's going on an accurate basis if you want to get ahead financially. You know what's spare. So number one, be very open and honest and, and totally transparent in what you're spending as you go through it. If you're in a relationship and you're working on this with your partner, probably good to do this separately and then together as you bring it together and actually sort of merge the two to see how the household budget then starts to, to look. So that's that's something I think is crucial. Reviewing it fairly regularly too, maybe quarterly, it's not a bad idea insofar as um, you know things change over time. Interest rates obviously uh, change over time. Um, your repayments on things may change over time. Your spending habits can change over time. And so um, you know reviewing it to make sure it's a living, accurate document, I think is, is another really important tip. Do you have any examples for us, any clients that you might have worked with, anyone that you know personally that you can give us a good indication on what not to do or what to do, just mm. as an example? Yeah, I probably could. Um, <laughs> Who have we got? Can we, can we, um, can't, you can't name them, obviously, right? Let's put it this way. Um, <laughs> I'll, give you, I'll, this. I'll, I'll, I'll give you one good one and one bad one. Okay, uh, that's good. Um, and... The good one I'll give you, one of the one of the lads I work with in London is still a dear friend of mine, Lloydie, and I'll use his name, um, sufficiently bland, great guy. And his goal in life was to get a rent check every day of his life. Every single day? Every single day of his life okay. he wanted a rent check. So if you work backward from that, so if you explore how financial success can come around, and he's got a goal, and he's very clear on what that goal is. So he needs to have 30 investment properties, right? Someone's going to say the 31 months, uh, 31 days in some months. Let's say 31 just to square the circle. Rent check every month, so a rent check so for every day of the month. Exactly right. Yep. So every day he gets a rent check. So he wanted 31 investment properties. And yeah, he had a reasonably good paying job, he had a side hustle as well with some extra income coming in on the side and lived well below his means insofar as he didn't spend everything he earned and used to get a bit of reputation for being a little bit tight and frugal on occasion, but that's a that's more banter than anything. And achieved that goal, achieved it, I think in I think it was it was about sixteen or seventeen years. Wow, that's no, that's a big goal. Sixteen, seventeen years of grinding away. Yeah, that's a long, a long process of delayed gratification. It is, and then when you sit back and look at what that actually means in real terms. So this is going back some time ago now. So we worked together, gee, you know, more time ago than I'd care to mention. Probably twenty eight, twenty nine years ago. And if you think about what he would have been buying property at at that particular time, and it wasn't a one off purchase because, and and, and to be clear on this, he wasn't on a massive massive income. He was on an okay, like a, a pretty reasonable income, but not a massive income by any stretch of the imagination. So he lived in a house share, where he shared with another fella, and um, to keep his costs down, got rid of his car because he didn't need it. Like everyone in London, public transport was pretty good, uh, and so on and so forth. So he made a lot of sacrifices in those, those early times. So you go back to what he started buying his property at 29 years ago, 
And over a series of you know, 16, 17, 18 years, you know, maybe buying one to a year refinancing from time to time, taking equity out of one to buy another and building it up. So now he's sitting on this immensely valuable investment portfolio of property where he's getting you know, a pretty decent yield on it and a rent check, which was his goal every day of his life. So he can go around, hack his way around the golf course, which is how he prefers spending his time. And isn't really the least bit worried about money. He's not worried about a move up or down in the property market either because he's got so much equity in those properties that, and he, he was quite smart. He didn't overgear, not at the wrong time where he'd stretched himself to be too thin and, and has achieved that goal handsomely. And, and is And is living in this rarefied bubble that most people can dream of, of like literally every day passive income dropping in the door. That's 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 crazy. Maybe it's a really good example. One of the most disciplined people I know, even compared to yourself, actually, is a is a is a tough rooster and a great guy. Looking forward to catching up with him and hopefully in July for a beer. So, so can we get the the bad story now? I think most people are listening in attentively for this. Another former colleague, um, and this was, I guess, someone that lacked a lot of self discipline across a number of different areas of life. And I think yeah, I'm always reminded one of my good mates in the speaking uh, speaking scene, Harvecker, the way you do anything is how you do everything. Um, and I think he's quite relaxed and sloppy in terms of his personal standards across a few things. And I think that bleeds across into a, a lot of others. Uh, and, and that's not to beat the person up. It's their journey again. And they're pretty happy with the pathway that they're on. But you're seeing someone that that doesn't really have a lot of direction and a lot of motivation and a lot of excuses and a lot of distractions. So to give you an example, um, they had gym membership because they, 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 uh, because everyone in the office is reasonably fit, didn't go to the gym. Total gym waste membership money. For years, like probably two, two and a half years of paying membership week in, week out. And this is one of the huge things if you're looking at your budget, go through your subscriptions. Uh, and cull what you don't use or what you don't need, you know, and pay TV is a really good example of that. Or if you've got lots of streaming channels and you don't watch them that often, just cull it and, 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 and keep that. None of them on their own are going to set you financially free, but cumulatively that starts to have quite an impact. Um, some of the other things, uh, as a note, we talked about buying a, the cheapest car your ego will allow. Um, you know, ended up buying a new car that wasn't really fit for what he needed out of life. It's quite a flash vehicle and, and, and ticked a box. Happy days, if, if that's what's floating your boat. Um, would have had delivered food probably three or four nights a week and probably out for two. That's and the a challenge, lot of money. Well, well, the challenge is not just the cost, it's also the health ramifications compounded by not going to the gym either and, and obviously not walking anywhere because you just bought a new car. Um, and, and so it starts to layer up. And it, it, it was a peculiar one because it never had leftovers, never would bring leftovers, didn't agree with leftovers for, for lunch. Now, as most people know, if you cook a decent spag bowl or a curry, it probably tastes nicer the next day anyway. So why not take it to work and have it for lunch? You save yourself 10, 15 bucks at least on your lunch. Um, you've, left, you've used the leftovers, uh, you've had a free meal and it's probably healthier than getting something out in any case. Maybe not in the case of a curry, but you know what I mean. So the, missing out on that notion of being able to to, um, to to save money in that way as well. And instead of having a, a property that rented and continues to rent and is is still in that situation. And it's really sad to see because he's actually a pretty decent person and spent a lot of time with and enjoyed, enjoyed their company immensely. But it's quite sad when you see someone just drifting through a, a, and as I say, it's okay if they're happy with their life, but if they build up a level of resentment that they're not where they want to be, and then you look at the pattern of behavior to get there in the first place, it's appalling budget, 
And someone is on a pretty decent income, I might add. End of the month, um, any chance of an advance on, on, on my income because I've already torn through it. And it's like, ugh, you know, it's hopeless. So spending way too much money on a car he doesn't need, eating out a lot, paying for a gym membership he doesn't use. Just to give you some highlights. Just to give you some highlights. Yeah. I think you can imagine what leaks below the surface as well. Yeah, that would just be on the superficial level of what I've seen as observations as a, as a colleague. Got you. Uh, you know, there'd be way more beneath there. As you say, like an iceberg, there's plenty more going on beneath the surface. So very sad. And and, and, and they're about as, as polarizing as you could possibly have. You know, someone that's set out with a very strong intention and achieved their goal. And there'll be people that want to shoot Lloydy down, going, oh, you know, yeah, landlord and some fear, you're exploiting your tenants and all the rest of it. He's providing people somewhere to live if they can't afford to buy somewhere. Totally. Simple as that. And and he's worked damn hard to be in the position he's in and deserves the recognition for doing that. Um, and it's um, it's really easy for people to try and tear you down for your success because they don't see the struggle that you go through. Budgeting has led, I know, led him to that conclusion, combined with a very, very strong intention and a very strong goal. And one thing that Lloydy has that maybe the other colleague you mentioned doesn't is cash flow. And I think you made mention of this at the very start, AB, about just how important cash flow yeah. is. As we come to the end of the broadcast, talk to us about why cash flow is so important. Look, you have to have it. Cash flow is like oxygen. You know, without it, you literally are dead. And I talk about this in a business context. And you know, we, we manage a business fairly carefully, uh, as we have now for you know, a few decades. And I'm really proud to say, and maybe I'm a bit more anal about it than most people, probably with the exception of yourself, um, understanding the bottom line and watching it very, very carefully is, is crucial. And I'm, I'm really proud to say, as a business owner, in the, in the decades that we've had the door open, we have never had a negative month cash flow wise in that business. And it's because crazy. We, it's because we manage it very, very carefully. And if I were then to translate that into um, my personal life in terms of my wealth journey as an individual, sure, there have been months where I've had negative cash flow where you've had a big outlay for something. But if you've got a budget that can help you steer through those times, the fact that you've built up in reserve helps you move through those more difficult times. Let's say something happened to your car and you, you, you know, you're living week to week as some people are, but if you've got that reserve behind you, you can start to smooth that out. Uh, and I think those lessons that you take from one aspect of your life, you can easily apply, easily apply to another. I mean, cash flow is like oxygen. It means you've got to stop spending elsewhere on, on stuff that you don't need. You have to have positive cash flow if you want to be an investor, otherwise, um, you know, it, it's gone. You have to have surplus cash flow to invest. And I think, you know, people that aren't in that situation go, well, I can't invest. You can. You just need to look at what's caused the cash flow issue. If you're in a very, very difficult situation financially where you can't make ends meet, it's understandable that you've got a deficiency in cash flow. Looking at budgeting may help reduce that deficiency. There are plenty of other things that we advocate, like get a side hustle uh, to try and build a second stream of income. And, and you don't need cash to do that. It's sweat equity that can help you do that. There are always ways uh, to work around that. If on the other side of the coin, you've got negative cash flow because you've got a pretty decent spending habit um, that's gratuitous or, or discretionary on things that you think is going to make you happy, you've got a real problem. And again, going back to budgeting and having some clarity of goals is hugely important to help you bring that back into the tram lines to give you the create the free cash flow to then invest it in assets that are going to buy you time back. And ultimately, and I'll, I'll give you that quote, actually. Yeah, you know. I was about to ask you for so that. So if, if we, um, we often overspend, and typically when people overspend, it's to compensate for a gap in their life. And it doesn't matter what you buy, it will never fill that gap of unhappiness. That's, that's Yeah, that's, pro yep. that's as profound as I profound. can be. So 
why do you want to invest to make this money if you can't buy something that's going to fill that gap? Quite simply this. If you learn to get your budget under control and generate a level of spare cash flow that can enable you to invest, what you can do is buy your time back. And time is the most crucial thing we ever have. It's a finite resource. You're never going to get any more of it. You don't know when it's going to be time up. And by being able to buy your time back in a way that lets you choose how to spend your time on this planet with the people you choose to spend it with, that will make you far happier than anything that you can put on your credit card. Trust me on that. Great way to finish. AB, thank you very much for your advice today. That's awesome. Absolute pleasure. Anytime, Mitch. There you have it, guys. Make sure you give us a review and a rating and make sure you share this podcast with someone you know that could benefit from learning the skills of budgeting and we'll look forward to hosting you next week.